Byer here, welcoming you to Season 3. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing! Listeners, have you heard my most recent interview with J.M. Fortier? Did you know that he started an awesome new venture called Growers and Company, where they have a magazine that's printed that comes out twice a year that highlights the amazing farmers that he's taught personally. So you're going to learn from people who are practice, putting his practices into place on their farms. If you want to be a better farmer, you definitely want to subscribe to this magazine. That's going to be like a coffee table item on your shelf. And then the other thing, part of Growers and Company is there, he's created tools that he uses on his farm that he's like studied. You know, he got to travel all around the world when he wrote his book, The Market Gardener. If you don't have that, you absolutely have to get a copy of it. But he's he's he got to go travel to all these farms and then he would look at tools that they had in the hardware stores or using in these other farms, brought them back to his farm, you know, talked to a developer, came out with some really cool tools. Like he talks about his broad fork. The handles are just wood and that helps it make it light, but it's sturdy. It's just the exact kind of broad fork that I want. Um they've got other really cool weeders and different things. And then he's got farmware that he designed that will keep you dry and keep you out there. I know with my, one of my big barriers was my garden shoes. So he's got boots and just great things that are stylish, comfortable, but most of all, they're going to keep you warm and dry when you're out in your garden doing all that hard work. So growers and company growers.co check it out get something for your favorite gardener definitely get a small scale farmers are changing the world t-shirt for your favorite farmer marker vendor do you belong to a csa i'll bet you want to get them a christmas present this year it doesn't have to be on time i know it might be late when you're hearing this but Make sure you support growers.co. Um, their stuff is super affordable. The Canadian exchange right now. Um, I just bought something for someone, um, a present for Kathy from the composters because I go to her laughter yoga with her. And I think it said it was like $25 and then, it, but it only took $20 out of my bank account. So I, I probably shouldn't be talking about the Canadian exchange, but I know his things are affordable. I research broad forks and what they cost. I, you know, it, it's a great deal. You will get so much use out of that tool. Um, so support growers and co join the amazing Patty Armbruster and I Saturday mornings, 9am Montana standard time, 11am Eastern, 8 am pacific for grow live on youtube patty armister is going to ask your questions you can submit them ahead of time and we'll be prepared with the answers uh what do you want to know we're starting out talking about selecting seeds but she's going to answer everything from how to process local meats to you know what pests are good or you know, what plants are good to bring in beneficial insects into your garden. Just, we all know Patty knows so much about everything. I'll be asking the questions. She'll be answering them. We're going to be doing this on YouTube live Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Montana standard time, 
10 Central, 11 Eastern, Saturday mornings on YouTube, Grow Live with Patty and Jackie. Good morning. Welcome to Grow Live. Yay! Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm awesome today, Patty. It is a great Saturday, Montana. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know what? I walked outside the last few mornings and the, the great horned owls are they're having their meeting calls. And it's just, oh, it just makes me just feel fantastic thinking spring might come around the corner. <laughs> so we might be going to hit with the blast of winter this week. Perfect. Anyway, Patty, we are on a time schedule. As a matter of fact, I'm going to set my timer. As soon as I read, together we are Grow Live. Patty and Jackie, Grow Live. We answer your farm and garden questions to help others grow a grow healthier world. One question at a time, one gardener at a time. Our goal is to help you be successful in growing healthy food and creating a healthier place. What are yes. we talking about, Patty? Well, I'm excited. We're, we are going to talk about greenhouse design today. Uh, a lot of people have been asking questions about greenhouses. It turns out, did you know they can be both too hot and too cold all in the same greenhouse? Yes, and um, it is a very, very difficult problems for a lot of people. I'm going to go to a screen share here for you. So hang on a second here, get this technology to work. <laughs> it's always a challenge. And oh, you make the best PowerPoints. Look at that. Well, it does help to have some practice. I mean, Seems to be what I do. Grow live with Patty and Jackie answering your questions. Greenhouses. Okay, That's and I'm Patty Armbruster. Um, I know we talked about that, but I've um, got um, 50, over 50 years of growing experience. So, And Jackie's got tremendous amount of experience hosting the Organic Green Organic Garden podcast. So today, look at what I seen when I went outside this morning. This oh my goodness. Is is curly parsley. Parsley. And the snow just melted off of it. And it's green. Yeah. It's alive. I just had to share that with you. But I know today we're going to talk about greenhouses, and I hope to make you have higher greenhouse success by uh, by spending some time with us. So let's first let's start with what is a greenhouse? Because there seems to be a lot of controversy. So for one, um, a greenhouse is a building which plants are grown in that need protection from cold weather. Well, that would be us in our northern regions, huh? Um, here in Montana and Canada, all across the northern hemisphere. And these are um, glass. This is how they did it originally. They're not the very originals because the Romans were protecting plants by planting them in wheelbarrows and moving them inside every night. So this is the next stage of, of a greenhouse history is to, to these glass um, couch things. And they did it in large ways and some, some still do it this way. But today, greenhouses are becoming this. Wow. These are what I call a mega greenhouse. Uh, the ones I've seen in Michigan are on 55 acres. This particular one in this picture is on 60 acres in Kentucky. 
Um, they're just monstrous. Some of them 160 acres under one greenhouse. So when we buy a cherry tomato in the grocery store this time of year in our Northern hemisphere, more than likely it's coming from something like this and not from our backyard garden greenhouses that we think of. So here's a, just a picture of um, the same greenhouse. This was uh, Nature's Fresh out of Canada. One of their greenhouse pictures, just jaw dropping. Like they use uh, sky lift rises to go up there and work on them. And this is their production um, methods. <laughs> Not what you think of when you think of a home garden greenhouse, right? So why should we want a greenhouse? Oh, a greenhouse is a, nowadays we think of a greenhouse as a glass house or a, a plastic protected shelter that is heated. So that's kind of the difference between a greenhouse. I think somebody asked, I think Eileen asked. I if, wanted to know, what's the difference between a greenhouse and a high tunnel? Right. And so a high tunnel is not generally heated. As soon as somebody puts a, um, some sort of mechanical heat in a greenhouse or a high tunnel, we consider it a greenhouse before if it's just uh, hoops, which can be made out of plastic or steel or anything you can make it a hoop out of, could be a willow branch, I guess, um, with plastic over it, that would be considered a high tunnel. Um, greenhouses traditionally are heated. So that's, that's what do we consider the differences. But for us, um, it all goes to our goals of why we should want to grow in a greenhouse. I've had several of them and I've got several greenhouses here we're going to talk about. So I'll talk about the goals for each one of them because they really change what you're doing and how you're going to work with it and how much money you're going to spend to build it. So the first one, what, what, you, what you are wanting to grow, I want to grow salary and, and greens for juicing and do it as long as throughout the year as I possibly can. And kale. Oh my gosh, I love kale. So I wanted to extend the growing seasons. That didn't mean that I wanted to try to force our northern region into growing those plants in December and January because that's pretty difficult to do. So the next thing you got to think about is when do I want to harvest those plants? So these tomatoes come out of a passive solar greenhouse and it's our goals for that passive solar greenhouse was to be able to um, harvest in the fall and have greens in the spring because it's a school greenhouse and we can't afford to heat it throughout the winter. So um, we just talked about that, the differences between the high tunnels and a greenhouse. Uh, this greenhouse is a, a 96 foot greenhouse, so way bigger than than a lot of home gardener greenhouses. But uh, this one's at uh, Hot Springs here in Montana and uh, they run hot water through the floor to as its, as its alternative heat source. Wow. Yeah, and then this is a high tunnel. This is a backyard high tunnel in my yard. <laughs> and so this is just a 16 by 16, 16 foot by 16 foot. And I build it that small, hoping to motivate most anybody to be able to grow and put up one in their own property without taking up too much space. And my goal is to extend the season to be able to grow those tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that. Also another big goal I have was, was not to waste energy. 
or even to spend the money on energy. I don't want to do either one, right? So that was the main goal of the initial build of the first greenhouse that I built, which was a passive solar greenhouse, was that energy part. So a lot of people don't know what passive solar is. It just means that we're passively gaining the solar gain but we're not mechanically hardwired to anything. So there's no electric going into this greenhouse. There is a um, solar heater here that we see on the, the uh, back wall here. This is a solar heater. And then this little solar panel inside the greenhouse there runs the energy for this. So there's no battery backup or nothing for this greenhouse. But most passive solars have some way of gaining the energy and storing it. So this one, we're running with water barrels. Some do it with rock walls or earthen back on it. But this one's a standalone. It's built just like a house on a, on a, on a foundation. So it's got a, a six-foot foundation underneath it, all insulated on a six-inch insulated cement form. Okay, so it's built just like a house. There's six-inch walls, insulated walls, and everything. Mike has foundations under his greenhouses like that, too. Yeah, it really helps to keep the frost from coming in from the outside. And so these are the water barrels in that passive solar. There's 18 of them. And we are not utilizing the water inside the barrels. They're just a solar sink. And so the sun comes through the glazing wall, hits those barrels during the day, warms them up. And then the building is shut up at night, so there's no air escaping at night. And then the energy in the barrels release back into the greenhouse during the evening and all through the night. And so it's, it's not, um, not gaining heat during the night, obviously. It's losing some of the barrels, but it's going into the air protected plants. And so you can really extend the season with, a, with something like this. And with it all being closed in like it is, the plants can handle clear down to 20 degrees, like I've had kale and spinach and just be perfectly fine at 20 degrees because there's no wind in there to create frost. And so they do fine. So it's just a matter of kind of picking out a design to fit your need of what you want to do. This is the um, greenhouse at the Sleeping Buffalo again at the Hot Springs. And they so have water in those barrels freeze either. They will. When we get down to 40 below zero and we have a lot of cloudy days. If we have sunny days at 30 below, even 40 below, it's not too bad. But if we have cloudy days repeatedly over and over where we're not getting solar gain in, in those into those barrels then we're, we're slowly losing it. And so, yeah, we'll freeze. Those barrels will freeze. Our, we have a water dipping barrel that we dip water out of um, to water the plants in the winter. That will freeze too when it gets that cold. It's because it's we're not gaining any sunlight from the, from the sun. To and use you the, don't have to drain them? No, no, we've never had any problem with them. And it doesn't stay cold that long. I mean, every every sunny day we get, we're back gaining heat again. So you probably get more sun than we do over there. Uh, when we built it, we did, yes, for sure. And so in the last ten years, have we gotten as much? No, we're not getting as much. And I don't know where we're just getting all these hazy days. 
that's not helping us very much. But mm -hmm. so this example here, though, they've got hot water in the floor, and so they have available hot water because of the hot spring. But we as gardeners could have hot water from solar hot water heaters, and then put it through your floor just like you do in a shop. You know, you have a um, hot water insulating in your floor and heating in your floors with radiated hot water heat. Well, you could do that in a greenhouse too. And so that's what we did in this greenhouse. We did not put them under all the beds because we want to keep some of the beds cooler to be able to grow kale and greens longer. So this one's more mechanically controlled than a lot of them. And we got levers to turn them on and off. Like, and this is during the construction time period of this greenhouse here. And was that a kit? Uh, they bought the old greenhouse um, rafters and the end pipes. So they built the, the end walls and everything else we, we pretty much did ourselves, or they did. I, I was consulting with them. And so this is uh, the first year of, of the first production, starting to get some greens in there. But we won't go into that too much, so that'll get us pretty deep down in the weeds. But um, here here's the first year growing kale and how productive it was. But this is the north wall, so where you place things in a greenhouse makes a difference too, but we won't get into that today. But our goal was to be able to grow uh, lots of different things. So Jackie, you said something about a greenhouse getting too hot. Did somebody ask that? Yes. Ah. <laughs> yeah, when I first built that passive solar greenhouse, I found out that quickly that they can get too hot and too hot fast. So, um, oh, some of, I'm going to go back a slide or two here um, to help us with the thinking on the design here. All right, just a warning: the alarm's going to go off in a minute. What alarm? The one that says 15 minutes, five minutes left. What? Get out of here. Okay, so they get too hot because the sun's coming in and heating the air up, and we've got to cool it down. So this one has a solar vent on the backside. It's all running on solar. It turns on when the heat in the upper part of the building gets 85 degrees, and it, it vacuums it out like a chimney. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's passive. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to run out there, check the thermometer, or, you know, people now have an app on their phone and can monitor their whole greenhouses as long as it's hardwired and mechanical, which this one's not. This was 100% passive. So it passively does it by itself, gets that heat out of the building. Uh, the other greenhouses uh, all have some type of vents in them to be able to get that heat out when you want it out. So this is what heat stress does look like though. And so when you start seeing any of this little brown fringing, you're like, what come in and slimed my cabbages? Well, it's from getting too hot during the day. So that's, that's a good indicator of what the heat stress is. And then you gotta figure, you need to figure out ways to control it in the design of the greenhouse as to how to get rid of that extra heat in the daytime. And, uh, You'll have more, especially on a passive solar, you have more problems early in the spring. And then again in November, as the sun is passing over your, your greenhouse and coming in your glazing wall at a steep, steep manner. So what, one major way, there's the solar vent. One major way that that's controlled is um, with uh, yeah. shade cloths. 
So we bought a shade cloth that is at, I don't know, it's 35%. That you can buy several different percentages of shade cloth. And then we're, we're shading, even in my high tunnel, I'm sh using a shade cloth to shade when that sun is coming in and really beating down on the greenhouse. And what's another question? When I can get in the weeds, Jackie. Five minute warning. Five minute warning. Why do you keep doing that? Wrap up. <laughs> what, uh, what's another question we got? Can you use a greenhouse as a storage for veggies that have been harvested? I tried that this year. Didn't go so well on, on potatoes. We put a bucket of potatoes in there just to kind of experiment. And um, they got sunburnt, even though they didn't look like they got sunburnt. So when we cut the potatoes open, they were green inside. So uh, I'd stick to a root cellar for that or even a cold closet. A cold, dark closet works really well. If your closet's not cold enough, maybe put insulated blankets over them um, to keep them colder. Um, Greenhouses aren't too good for that. What else we got, Jackie? I, you answered them. <gasps> we answered them. Did anybody on the live? Is Corny still, did, or Lori, do they have any questions? One thing. Hi, uh, Hi. One thing you can, you don't have to spend making money for these greenhouses. This one here is a pretty well um, made, made by, um, by scrap materials. I'm gonna go through a little bit of this here because I got a lot of people that wanna grow tropical plants in the North and um, a huge following of people that are gonna grow them. And so I'm super excited about that. And so this is a way that we can do that. Um, this is a thermal green, geothermal greenhouse. So it's built in the ground. This is the famous one, the greenhouse in the snow from down in Nebraska. It's a, also a 96 footer. Uh, so compared to that um, one to sleep in Buffalo, the same size for length, not for width, but this is the inside of one of them. And so they're growing actually in three different zones. On your north wall, there's a place where that you'd wanna put those kales and broccoli and celery cooter stuff and then your tropics on the bottom, and then your tomatoes and stuff over in here. But this is what they bricks. What's that? Were those walls made out of bricks? That particular one was. Uh, this is Russ Finches. He's the original designer of the greenhouse in the snow, and his is not. He's just had to start um, supporting more of his growing bed walls, and his and his is thirty years old, and he's got. It's a, it's a forest, it's a jungle in there of tropicals. <laughs> it's just amazing. When you walk into it, you're just like, oh my God, I went to another country. That is, is, is he standing like his head is under like the ground? Is that part of why? Is it, is it almost like a basement or something? Or like it his is, head? It's, it's, head it is. Is that <laughs> He's standing next to the north wall. And so that's where the framing of the greenhouse starts is at, at his head level. I think he's got it about five foot deep. And this is when I visited his place and that's how big his lemons are. And how cool is that? Here, yeah. So, um, so and he's like in North Dakota, right? He's in Nebraska, um, but there's several of them being built. We've got ones built here in Montana. So for those of you that are gonna um, hang with us. Are we doing something more, Jackie? What's our 
You said our time is getting low, huh? I don't know why you Yep, know. it's time to go. Time to round up, uh, talk about next week. All right, well, next week's going to be... Next week's going to be super, super exciting because um, we are going to talk about inviting the, the beneficial insects and defriending the pests, all in our plant selection. So if you would like to get answers to your pest issues, send us your questions either on Facebook, you can go to organicgardenerpodcast.com forward slash patty. Uh, there's a Google form that you can link to to ask your question. You can always email us. Um, but join us next Saturday morning for Grow Live with Patty yeah, and Jackie. It's going to be exciting. Are you going to tell their page, Jane? What's that, Jackie? Did you, did you, were you going to talk about the Patreon page, you mean? Oh, yes. I, I've been working on Patreon page. I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's coming along, though. We're getting closer. And so we do want to have a Patreon there that you can uh, pay us a small fee and join us for the after show. And we also want to have a, a super chat on there. So if you don't have time to hang out with us or even watch the whole video when it comes to video, then you can pay a little fee to get super chat, get your question right at the top of the board, and then you'll know when we're answering your question. So it's going to be exciting. What else we got, Jackie? Uh, I think we're just like, uh, until next time, let's grow a healthier world. Yay. Grow healthy. Yay. Episode two is done. Hey, Thank oh. you everybody for coming and joining us. Woo. Hey. Those I was going to yeah, those of you can stay on the line, though. I just stopped the recording, so we're going to do the after show next. Um, we are a new operation, right? So <laughs> we barely know what we're doing. But our after show, we want to make more personable. And um, we will have, like I said, it, it on the Patreon. But um, since we're so small and we've only invited three people into this, we're going to open up the mics, let you guys visit and talk about anything. And I got more pictures here to show you. Um, there's all kinds of greenhouses that we could be building that um, oh, right. okay. is more cost effective. So anybody got any questions? The temperatures in the greenhouses, um, they're just regulated obviously through the sun and stuff. And so you can keep them cooler if you just opened up the windows, the door. That's the idea, correct? Yeah, so I lean on that passive solar greenhouse. I have an openable window on the east side of the building. I have a, a huge door that has an open a screen window in it, and then the door. So I've got several ways that I can let more air flow into the greenhouse. And as I do, then it chimneys more out, right? Because out, out that roof that has the solar vent that turns on, it turns on at 85 degrees. I think there's a wax thing in there and there's wax vents for greenhouses too. So when that, when it gets up to 85 degrees, the wax melts, the vents open and then they start functioning. And this one is a fan that's making it function when that wax gets too warm. Then when it gets cold, mm -hmm. okay. then it, it closes back up. 
And so that's the least expensive way to ventilate a greenhouse without putting in a mechanical hard wiring. So, but you get in those longer ones like the sleeping buffalo and the greenhouse in the snow, they're too long to be able to, to do that. So they, they put in fans that are actually pulling air in and pushing it out to be able to do that. But those are geothermals. They've, they've dug geothermal lines way out, 150 foot lines, buried the pipes deep in the ground, seven, seven foot deep or so in the ground with, with perforated holes in them. So that air temperature at 55 degrees is coming out of the ground and into the greenhouse. So they pipe that in down low, they turn a fan on, pulls that cool air into the greenhouse and that fan's running across the greenhouse floor. Then there's another pipe at the top that's pulling it out and it pulls it out, pumps it back through the ground to get it back out of the greenhouse. And so they're, they're controlling their temperature by ground heat and a few fans, which is still not that expensive compared to say the, the great big fan in the sleeping Buffalo greenhouse, that one's mechanical hardwired. So the electric power comes on to, to run it and they open and close as the temperature rises during the day as needed. Okay. Um, yeah. and do you have to start your little seeds and stuff in the greenhouse? Do you uh, actually start your, are you doing transplants? The greenhouse, is, uh, the passive solar and the sleeping buffalo, even the sleeping uh, greenhouse is slow. All those you could plant your seeds into. Okay. Yeah, but we grow them in plugs though. So even though we could go direct into the ground, most of the time I'm growing in a plug and transplanting, unless it's a squash. Um, squashes do better if we can avoid doing that. So we, we plant them uh, in, in, in their places. Okay. Okay, so Zim says we do only have 10 minutes left. So anybody else have a question? Courtney, got any questions up there in Canada? No, I had a um, pie pond, a little big one that I lived on an acre a few years back that I played around with and moved into town and I'm looking at just building a small solar, a passive solar greenhouse to play around with. Okay. So I, I grew up in Manitoba next door to one of the biggest greenhouses there. I worked there as a kid. Nice. So uh, I've got to go back to my roots a little bit and have some fun, right? So. Cool. What so, yeah, you have? I, I was looking for, I was looking for how to vent uh, and get rid of that heat. So you gave me a few ideas there. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a big problem because <laughs> we figured out ways to, to gain that heat. And then we had to figure out ways to control it. Um, the passive solar I like over a lot of the other designs, um, over a regular hoop house or a regular greenhouse because now I'm the sun is hitting the back wall in the winter and it's actually shading the greenhouse. So the greenhouse is cooler in it than it is outside because it's shaded and that solar vent is chimneying out the extra heat that's created. And so it's just like heaven on earth inside that passive solar growing tomatoes to the to the ceiling in there. And kale, I've got a kale plant that I'm five foot tall, five four. 
and I got a kale plant in a pot that's as tall as I am right now. And it's coming on, going on a year and a half of age. And I think, I think we're going to make it into a perennial plant in that passive solar because it's, does really good for cold, cold climate plants. The, uh, yeah, there's uh, also ones called uh, Wapapedias. They're, um, they're, they're dug in the ground, so they, they just dig right straight down in the ground, and they don't have as much arch to them as the greenhouse in the snow. But they're built on a more passive design approach, but right down into the ground. And so they're kind of combining all three tactics and they do use pipes to pull air out and in because you're, you know, you're really in the ground. You don't have any airflow unless you create it in those. And so I'll leave some links in our show that will help you. Um, there's also a Four Season Harvest, a phenomenal book by Elliot Coleman. And he was the first one that designed the movable high tunnel, you know, so it moves in stages across the plant's production. And he's figured out ways to be able to grow in Maine in January and still be harvesting stuff. Now, granted, those plants aren't growing then. They grew in the fall, and then they're harvesting them, them, them in the winter. And then they start new, new ones coming, like carrots, for example. They can just cover carrots they planted them in the fall, in late October, early November. They cover them, and then they uncover them come spring, February, January, February, and then they take off and go, and then they're able to harvest them. So, yeah, he's got tremendous resources. I'll leave those links down there below for you. Got links to new greenhouses in the snow that are more automated than, than you've seen of, of um, brushes there that are getting built. So, and if you want to know where greenhouses, cool greenhouses are in the country, let, let me know, because I've visited most of them. <laughs> kind of a greenhouse geek. <laughs> Lori, what do you got going on? Uh, well, as you know, I have a greenhouse that I moved in last year. It was kind of a, it was kind of a quickie project. <laughs> so that's what I, that's what I have going on. Um, so um, last year, I didn't really feel like it extended my season that much. Um, but it's, um, so I don't know if you have any ideas about like what I should be growing in there. If I grew tomatoes in there last year, shouldn't I put them somewhere else this next year? And maybe as far as like, shouldn't grow something in the same soil every year, right? Well, I do uh, regenerative practices. And so that, that passive solar greenhouse you've seen, it's had tomatoes in it every single year for 10 years. And we're not having disease problems. We do have a little bit of lack of phosphorus for certain tomato varieties. So we got other varieties that do better than others inside. And so um, matching varieties to the environment is gonna be helpful having plants grow underneath of it. So underneath those tomatoes, we have um, sweet alyssum and nasturtium growing, snap peas on the fence, and all kinds of things to create a habitat, which we'll be talking about next week, that's gonna help you with beneficials and avoid diseases versus inviting them in. And so we can do some of that. 
Uh, also, I grow pots, great big pots of kale and cabbage and cool seasons, right? Get them started in, um, say, late August before we get our freeze, start them outside where it's colder and move them in. So now when you're ready to, to kill your tomato or it's dead, you've now moved in pots that you're gonna set either on the ground or on your trays that would now take you into another two months of growing of different production, of different stuff. So okay. we'll have to think about that. And that's- yeah, that's, that's really where most of my questions lie at this point. Like, what do I do with it? How, like, how, yeah. Yeah, and same way uh, uh, Elliot's Coleman book will give you a good uh, resource as to when to plant stuff. He's got great planting leaves on there and I've modified them some for my own use. And so it's just trial and error. And if it's in the outside beds, if we can just let the cilantro go to seed and do its own thing, maybe we can grow more cilantro because I found it's difficult to grow it when I decide to pick that planting date. So I'm gonna let the plant pick the planting date, it might go better. Mm -hmm. So fantastic, oh. exciting to see everyone. Jackie, what else we got? I think we're getting ready to get booted off. Right? Corny, you are giving a copy of Growing Trees and Shrubs Indoors, Breathing New Life into Your Home with Large Plants. If you get me your address or your pet your address, I'll ship that off to you. And then Maury, I have a copy of my garden journal ready to ship off to you. That's a picture I took of a butterfly oh, on our Eileen's journal from last week. Well, I just have one from last week and one from this week. Sorry, Eileen. <laughs> Maybe next week. But Eileen, we are working on uh, on design. Jackie's an artist. She's got fantastic art. And so we're going to eventually get a logo that will work and um, have some trinkets that we can be given away and maybe make them part of the Patreon page down the road. So thanks for joining us, you guys. We appreciate it, each and every one of you. And let's grow healthier together. Thank you so much. Be well. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Nice to meet you, Corny. Hey, listeners, it is me on the mic. It is actually Friday, January 22nd. I just wanted to put this call out. I hope you'll join us tomorrow on our Grow Live question to answer with Patty and Jackie, because tomorrow she's going to be answering questions about how to invite beneficial uh, insects into our garden and unfriend the pests. So if you have questions about this there is a form that you can go to if you go to organic gardener podcast forward slash patty it's just the same form every week you just pop your new question in there so it doesn't change this week's question is again about pests and insects but any question you put up there we will answer if you want to join us on the zoom chat live tomorrow um you can, there should be a link there. Patty's been posting it on Facebook. I am going to try to get an email out to the email list today. I will try to, I'll put it, uh, I don't know if I can put it in the show notes. Maybe I can try to put it in the show notes. Um, but I invite you to join us. It's lots of fun. Patty loves to answer your questions. You know, she's full of a wealth of information. So tomorrow we're going to be talking about the popular topic of how to invite beneficial, friendly insects into our garden and unfriend 
the bugs or pests that are eating your vegetables. I know you don't want to miss it. Saturday mornings, 11 Eastern, 9 a.m. Montana Standard. Uh, we can't get on YouTube Live yet, so it is a Zoom link, a Zoom Live. But if you haven't done any live Zoom stuff, it's been pretty fun. Going to Kathy's Laughter Yoga has been um, a fun part of my week, I think, because it's live. I've done, you know, I don't know. Anyway, hope you'll join us. Hey, listeners, have you been to Growers.co, James Fortier's newest venture? He's got an amazing magazine featuring the inspiring farmers who have followed in his footsteps, taken his classes, put his practices into work that he's highlighting in a great printed magazine. He's got tools that he's designed that he's developed from um, looking at tools around the world while he did his book tour that just he uses on his farm. I mean, it's amazing the information on his website. You can learn about how to use these tools. They're totally affordable. I'm telling you, the Canadian Exchange is great right now. Um, and farmware that's stylish, it's comfortable, but most of all, it's practical for working in the garden. I know one of my biggest barriers was garden shoes. He's got boots, coats. Um, and you definitely want to get a small scale farmers are changing the world t-shirt either for yourself, get one for your favorite CSA or farmer market vendor. It'll make them feel good. It'll make you feel good and support growers.co. That man has changed our world for the better. He's been so generous with his time, his energy and, um, deserving of, uh, uh your shopping dollars. So growers.co. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.